sex talk Derek and Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay sex just isn't good enough No Sex talk With Derek and Miley Growing up, things about sex or money and how especially those issues show up in our relationships or how shame is connected to both of them and how we interact together and maybe how we even talk to ourselves about money or sex. Most of these issues, too, are deeply connected to family dynamics and maybe even feeling like an imposter. So let's be real. Most of us have these specific issues that we have really avoided in our lives. So I I took a quick spin around the Google (laughs) And I just wanted to get a very surface sense of what financial literacy actually looked like. Uh, And especially in the United States. So these numbers are specifically for the United States. And also, what about sex education? I I did a very early episode of Sex Talk uh, about the state of sex education. More than likely, I'll revisit it again. But if you're interested, I don't know, a full audio version of the podcast is, I think, that's in the first five, I feel like. <laughs> so in 2021, 36% of Gen Z adults scored 51 to 100% on a financial liter- literacy test. Like that range is pretty gnarly. That's it's huge. 51 to 100%. And, uh, Compared to 48% of millennial adults, 48% of Gen X adults, and 59% of baby boomer adults. So we definitely have a variety, but that scoring is running a pretty huge gamut as far as financial literacy goes, depending upon which generation you were born in. Now, for sex education... Not comprehensive. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> that's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> We're just talking about sex education and measuring it across the United States. So, ninety-six percent of teenagers. This was roughly as of two thousand ten, based on uh, CDC information. Ninety-six percent of most students have received some formal sex education. One doesn't mean it was comprehensive and formal. We don't really know like what the content of that 96% is. And what I can tell you working with clients around what they know about sex, most of it's not comprehensive sex education. Now, when we look at 2022 and get a little deeper, only 29 states plus Washington, D.C. mandate sex education. So say that it has to be part of a curriculum. Only 18, 18 out of all of our states, only 18 of those states require that education be medically accurate. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. There is a lot more to each of the states and nuances, a ton of nuances on what that information 
actually looked like. If you do really want to understand this and where I've pulled the numbers, it will all be in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself. So, but I want to go a little deeper. Let's get a little nerdier. I brought Kate Dorman, personal finance nerd turned mental health therapist. Give us far more nuances to understand how our sexual lives and money are interconnected. Join me. I'll see you on the other side. Sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sex just isn't good enough. No. Sex talk. With Derek and Miley. Hey folks. Sex talk with Eric and Miley. Eric and Miley here. So glad you are all with us. On today's show, we're going to talk about money again. Again! Uh, some of you long-term uh, listeners know that we have talked about money and sex and how they're related, <laughs> how they get us down to our serious stuff, our it, like our deepest, darkest, so fast. Um, so uncomfortable. I'm just like remembering that episode very, very clearly. And I... While I was thinking about that episode, Kate, you and I started having conversations. And so I I was like, how do we tackle money and relationships and sex again? And Kate, you just appeared in my life. And so I want to welcome Kate Dorman, personal finance nerd turned mental health therapist. Kate works with folks on the connection between relationships, culture, values, and financial behaviors. Thanks for being willing to indulge me. And uh, I love a fellow nerd. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very excited. So we're going to go right into feelings first. It's, we're therapists. It's like our game. It's our gig. Yes. <laughs> what are some of the big ones? The, the most intense emotions folks often have really connected to personal finance, would you say? Starting off, Yeah. Starting off hard. Uh, so pretty much, I mean, when I became a financial therapist, I did not expect there would be so many tears um, mm. with my clients, but there really are. There's um, a lot of feelings of anxiety um, and a lot of feelings of guilt. Um, there's feelings yeah. of betrayal. Um, you know, with anxiety, mm. it could be, I don't have enough money. Um, you know, yes. I'm not making enough money. Um, but then there could also be, you know, feelings of anxiety of, of spending, actually. Mm -hmm. There's some people who are, they're just too anxious to spend um, money on, on anything. Um, they only buy what they absolutely need and they're not enjoying any of their money. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, there's, there's feelings of guilt, um, maybe guilty for yes. what you're purchasing or guilty that you don't have more Ooh. money or guilty my partner's making more than I am um, and yeah. I can't contribute the same amount. And then there's betrayal. Financial infidelity is very real. Mm. And so, you know, people who open up credit cards and if their partner finds that out, they feel very betrayed. Um, you know, yeah. people have described it as very similar to being cheated on physically, um, you know, mm -hmm. and so, um, yeah, lots of lots of fear, fear for the future, definitely as well. Um, and I think also a lot of uncertainty. There's not just like there's not a lot of sex education. Um, 
there's yeah. also not a lot of financial education. And so and why aren't we teaching these things together? Like I'm just feeling like this would be like a <laughs> perfect, like personal health class. Yes. Sex, money, relationships, like why? why? Yes. And I really, I think these are two things that we're, we're pretty much encountering every day. Um, You know, money, if you're going to work and if you're buying any food, just even if it's just groceries, um, you know, that there's money, there's dollar signs attached to that. And, you know, people are always thinking about it, engaging with it. They're seeing people drive really nice cars and thinking, why isn't my car as nice? And um, Mm -hmm. I think the same with sex. People think everybody's having more sex than I am. People are having better sex than I am. And so always I, Yeah, I think it's just these are two things that if we talked about it and educated Mm -hmm. people on it, um, it I think a lot it would change a lot of people's relationship to money and sex. Absolutely, because that lack of information—that's where our brain then has to try to fill in the gaps. And it's a great quick, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. do it accurately as much as it likes to think so. And you, you said something though about the, the intense fear. And I was like, oh, I wonder how connected for both of these things, sex, intimacy, connection, attachment, and money. How much do you think it's related to safety? Oh, absolutely. Safety and security. Um, yeah, I think, you know, people look in their, in their partner and say, you know, does my partner, are they, can they hold a stable job? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because I want to know that we're going to be able to pay the mortgage or we're going to be able to pay the rent, you know, do they rack up tons of credit card debt? Um, and then people who are older, closer to retirement age, they're, they're worried about, will I have enough? Will I run out of money at 80? And my parents lived till they were a hundred. So I have to, I need 20 years more of money. Right. Um, Definitely yeah. that, that safety and security. Absolutely. I, uh, it, it, it occurred to me that, uh, I, I was thinking, I think even in the last episode, when I talked to our guests, then, um, we, we were talking about what it's like when you grow up in poverty. I, I grew up in poverty, a generation college student, both me and my sibling, this, and then uh, my my partner is very similar. And so like what you were saying, I was just like, yep, check, 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 check. <laughs> and so like when you start talking to clients about money, it, it gets, you've already disclosed, like gets to the heart of these issues mm-hmm. with your clients. And I, I'm curious, like when they're maybe in their families of origin or, or caregivers, where do some of these 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 messages in and and I think maybe the the beginnings are yeah it's it's interesting because again i think similar to sex there can be messages that are kind of explicitly stated and then there can also mm-hmm. be the messages that are just picking up on you know we we pick up on things right so you know if a show comes up and there's like a sex scene and your parents change the channel, turn the TV off. Like that's sending you. And they don't kind say shit. They don't say shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think similar with money, you know, did you ever hear your parents talk about money? You know, maybe mm-hmm. that actually made you worried about money um, because you didn't know what your family's financial situation was, or maybe it made you feel really secure that if my parents don't need to talk about it, we must be fine. Um, and so I think, you know, 
I think there's, there's that, the things people say and don't say, and then just our life experiences, you know, um, somebody who's parent, one of their parents pass away and now they're, they only have a single, that was their, that parent was a working parent. And now they only have one parent who can work. That parent hasn't worked in years and now they're not, mm. they have to move, you know, that's going to impact them for a long time. And for some people that means, you know, I know that I can get through anything. I'm fine. I don't need it to build up a big pile of money because I feel confident I can get through anything. And for other people, it might mean I need to stockpile money um, in case the worst happens because the worst happened. And, you know, I don't, I don't want that to happen again. Um, so really, you know, kind of anything you've been through with your your parents or past partners can really shape your your financial beliefs. Yeah, I, 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 I just always, with my own clients, and I were talking before we started recording, that it, it seems that those initial injuries or those initial, like, like, like you said, when information was left out, gaps that you filled in are mm -hmm. so interconnected to how it then ends up playing out for people. So I am like curious for how, when people begin this journey, when people start to maybe get the itch to pick up the phone <laughs> to call <laughs> you or a therapist with a similar background. But yeah, y'all call Kate though. That's I'm making sure that you have all <laughs> of the, the, the phone numbers and things. Uh, so, but like step one, the, the, how can they really start to begin their own discomfort with money? Yeah. I mean, I think first is always just paying attention and recognizing feelings kind of as they come up. Um, mm -hmm. because I think it can be, you might think, I don't have any, I don't have any anxieties with money. I don't, I don't think about it ever. I don't really worry about it. Well, that's interesting. Like, why do you never think about it? Like, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean? I never think about money, right? We're maybe that's an issue or, you know, like mm -hmm. we do have feeling there's something driving your behavior. So maybe take yeah. a second to think about what, what do I feel like when I, save a little bit or when I spend a little bit or what do I feel when my partner pays for dinner or what do mm -hmm. I feel, you know, when Christmas comes up and I have to spend a lot of money on gifts, you know, what there's, yeah. again, there's money coming up all the time in our lives. And so um, it's impossible to not be impacted by it in some way. So I think paying attention to those feelings and kind of with anything with mental health, you know, it's, financial therapy is when this is causing you distress um, or discomfort and similar in a relationship. If there's a lot of conflict um, around money, that's a really good time to come in. I think sex and money are usually two of the biggest reasons for divorce. Um, and so if there's a lot of conflict there, um, it's, it's, there is a space that that can be addressed. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's a start. And I think too, you know, talking with your partner about money is always a, a good place to start. There's a lot of um, people who don't start talking about it till it becomes a problem and things are just yes. kind of right. Similar with sex. Same it's like, with sex. Yeah. If we just talked about it, like, let's just do a weekly check-in, you know, and it can be a funny check-in or a serious check-in, but then it, yeah. it takes that kind of um, like taboo away when we do feel mm -hmm. like we need to bring something up because we are, we're already talking about it regularly. It's not a big deal. Um, and so 
yeah, I think, you know, people starting to notice their feelings just on a day-to-day basis um, and noticing what you think when you see someone else's Instagram post and they've posted that they just oh, bought a new house. True. Like, how does that oh, make you feel? Oh, the social right? medias, right? Like I, you're bringing, you're started. bringing something up that I think <laughs> that we could, we, you and I could be here could be for five hours about this, but like the, the thing I, I, I get questions about on social media all the time, which is, uh, especially for my folks who are out there dating, mating after divorce, maybe dating after long-term relationship or uh, trying to navigate dating apps. They, the question they ask me all the time is when do they start asking about sex? When is that okay? And I think the same goes for money. I think what do you think? And I think we should both answer. I was just going to say, I'm curious. What Somebody's you're... going to get in the comments of this and be like, both the questions we want to know. So for you, <laughs> we'll though, get ahead of when, that. <laughs> when somebody's dating or when somebody's starting to get to know someone, um, intimate relationships, when do they start to have these conversations about finances? I'm all about why not right away, but it doesn't have to be in a very, um, I think, again, we, we associate like talking about money with like, there has to be a problem or mm -hmm. that's, you know, I have to know this person really intimately. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll share a personal example. I went to um, a brewery and it was one where they had a little QR code on the table. This was kind of like, you know, maybe like a year ago or something after I was vaccinated. The menu QR code thing, like they've been yes. doing since. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, and so I didn't really understand, and so I was like, okay, QR code, okay, I order, and then I I ordered it on my phone, I paid for it on my phone, and then someone just walked it over to me, and that was it. And so, um, you know, I just kind of asked the group, and there were a couple of people I'd never met before, um, but I just kind of said, how much do people tip now? Like because, you know, I just did everything by myself on the phone, and like. Yes. I pay, I literally did everything. I never even met the person who brought me my drink. It was that quick. And, you know, some people felt the people I hadn't met felt really uncomfortable that I asked that question. I said, I'm not saying I'm not going to tip. I just am curious, like <laughs> what the, the, the protocol is. And you just you know why I, you have a job, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> you literally right? ask one question. Yeah. And they're like, and I, how could you exactly and we got into an interesting conversation then about tipping and so i think you know anything like that on a, on a first date you can bring up you know if somebody's paying with their card you know and you just offering to to split or you know you can talk about flyer miles uh, you know if they lay down a mm -hmm. alaska airlines card you can say oh do you get really good flyer miles like where have you traveled with it or you know you can i, I think it, it can just come up you know just yes kind of practice a few little things and you can just make it come up, you know? Yeah. I, I, I do think we put a lot of, a lot of pressure on ourselves about getting these initial interactions, whether it's romantic or even in new friendships. Right. Right. And ultimately we need, we need to be able to ask each other hard things and yeah, you don't have to give each other the life story right out the gate. Uh, maybe not telling a person your fave position on the first date. If, if, if y'all aren't, gonna, if, I mean, of course, if y'all aren't going to have sex, I mean, first date sex is fine, but if to be able to be naked with one another, 
it's okay to have conversations about money perspectives. It's, we are in a new and different time, especially post-COVID. And whatever economic issue or thing that's coming, you know, of course, right now we're all hearing things like, oh, there's a recession coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those of us who graduated college, myself, like the first time I graduated college was 2007 into 2008. <laughs> right. It was shit. <laughs> so I'm sure that the, the concerns about money are like right in human spaces right now. They're just so ripe. So to me, it doesn't seem like it would be odd to have those first conversations. Probably, yes, uncomfortable, as you just displayed so brilliantly. I mean, I think about it as like pretty much sex and money are like the elephant in the room. They should be the elephant yes. in the room. But yeah. for some reason, we we have decided that the elephant is not there at all. Like it's yeah. really not there. Um, but it should be because really you know, somebody's paying for the movie or somebody's paying for the drink or the dinner and yes. somebody's paying and both people are thinking, no, do like, could we kiss or do we even hug? You know, like, so everybody's thinking about those two yeah, things really the, whole time, the whole time, but we, oh, yeah, we don't address it. Yes, absolutely. And we're the, I, I was just thinking about that. Like I was imagining that interaction. I was imagining like being in a brewery or being in a restaurant, knowing that, Oh, this dinner between the two of us or this meal or even uh, uh, going for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee is went from you know, one cost to much more expensive cost. So, of course, in the forefront of all of our minds, I cannot right now go to the grocery store and spend usually less than $50. It is more than that almost every single time now. Whereas I might have been able to get out of there, you know, if I, especially if I'm just there to get dessert for, you know, 20 bucks. <laughs> right. I mean, but people, people are trying gas tanks and stuff too. So being able to have these conversations are going to be incredibly important. And I think, you know, bringing it up on the first date is now you're already, let's say this becomes a relationship. You're already setting this, um, like not pattern, but you're kind of like setting this relationship of, we do talk about the difficult things. Right. Um, and you, you have already created that. It's not, Oh, we're one year into dating. Maybe we should talk about money or sex. You know, it's, it's like, let's, let's, you know, like let's set that standard now. Um, and you know, then you're, I'm thinking too, I'm imagining two people at dinner and one person is they ordered something and it's they're there. Should I order the more expensive thing on the menu or not? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm paying or if they're paying or if we're splitting it. And it's like, what if we both just sat down and said, I would love to split this with you, or I would love to treat you. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's a really easy way then to alleviate a lot of the anxiety that probably both people are feeling about that. Um, yes. And yeah, I think it, it just right there can create conversation. Um, yeah. It doesn't have that, to be as hard as we make. Absolutely. I'm constantly <laughs> telling my clients when you create the boundaries around whatever the interaction is, it gives you both or, or more than both freedom. It lets them know what's happening next. And then you know what's happening mm -hmm. next. So if 
like in this scenario, if you're the person that says, oh, hey, I'd like to treat you, you're giving that other person the boundary of how this interaction and what to expect rather than sitting there with that anxiety that you just described. But, you know, who's paying? Am I paying? I don't know. Maybe I'm going off the dollar menu tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it really can be telling about the other person, you know, mm -hmm. they, what their reaction is, you know, do they um, feel like really, really uncomfortable? Or are they like, I've got it. I don't worry. You know, like that already is telling you a little bit about their kind of their money mm -hmm. um, thoughts or feelings. And it can kind of be like a little bit helpful to you to have an idea. Um, you know, kind of who this person is. It gives you a little bit of insight there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this is probably a, a bigger question, but I, you know, that's how we roll over here. How, how do you think the, the work that you've done uh, through your own practice has influenced how you came to understand your own story and finance or money? Good question. Love that. Um, I think that for me, I think the biggest realization I had um, is definitely before I actually even had the practice started. And as I was starting it and, you know, getting together all the business uh, side of things. And I am, I'm a master's in social work and I've worked mostly in community mental health up until my opening my private mm -hmm. practice last year. And I really realized that I felt guilty that I would make more money in private practice um, than I would in community <sighs> mental health. And mm. then I kind of went a little deeper with that because I was like, well, it's not bad to make money. But then what I found was that I was associating like if I'm making more money, it means I'm not helping people. Um, and I it's almost I think in social work, there's definitely um this belief that like, I just kind of have to self-sacrifice. I should work 16 oh, yes. hours a day and make no oh, money. Yes. And <laughs> therapy, yeah. social work, any of the, the psycho like solid psychology, like it's almost as if teachers, this either, yeah, teachers too. There's this un, uh, sometimes unwritten, sometimes not explicit, sometimes explicit message yes. that says, if you're a helper, your work is less valued, even though work required sometimes more education than like MDs. Sometimes we're, we're required yes. to take on more debt or we're required to uh, record hours and hours of videotape between us and clients so that we can really yes. understand how to do our work well, but we're not allowed to be financially successful at it. Right. And I think I didn't, I'd internalize that over a decade, Oof. you know, and I oh, same. Was, yeah, it was unraveling that and realizing, no, like I can help people. And I see that I do that every day in financial therapy is that I, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm helping people. It's totally different content. I'm talking about something completely different, but yeah, people are really anxious about money, really stressed about money and overwhelmed by it. And it actually is really important. Many people say that like, Money is one of the biggest reasons or only reasons they lose sleep. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I had to get over that. I, I can make money and help people. Um, so I think that was something for me, you know, that's that definitely was a, a big eye opener. And of course, my work with clients, you know, like any kind of therapy work, you hear some clients where you can 
you're like, oh, I see that. Yeah, it's like totally relate, spot on. And others where you're like, I don't, that's not me. Like, but mm -hmm. it is really great to just hear people's perspectives and where they're coming from because, you know, it all lines up. Like, I'm like, that's not me. That's not my behavior, but I completely understand how you got there. Um, yeah, we all kind of have our journey to where we're at. Absolutely. I think you are so spot on, especially in that journey to becoming a business owner which is a fundamentally different uh, muscle. And it is a different way of having to kind of think. Uh, yes, you can build a business that helps others. But when you've kind of had this stigma through education, it's something that's tough. And when you're working people directly with their own money stuff, it's definitely that mirror that can be shined right back at you. Same. Yeah. <laughs> same, yeah. same, same, same. So yeah. uh, it, this has been such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversation. I am so glad that you came. How do these humans uh, find you in the world? Yeah, um, you can find me at soundfinancialtherapy.com. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram. It's just soundfinancialtherapy. Um, and my Instagram is I try. I'm not like as consistent as I'd like to be, but I post, uh, just conversation starters, like financial conversation starters. Um, and so mm -hmm. sometimes the questions are really specific, like, um, you know, how much, what's your credit score? How much money do you have saved for retirement? And sometimes the questions are really broad. Like what did the women in your life teach you about money when you were growing up? Or what did the men in your Ooh. life teach you about money? Or how has your, religion shaped your financial beliefs. Um, and so they're really just to be asked, asking yourself or to be asking a partner or a friend, um, but just to try to give people ideas of how to talk about money in a way that's not um, just talking about the stressful problems. Well, I mean, you did just give away a bunch of stuff. Oh, you could go to the Kate's Instagram, pull out the journal and just use journal prompts. <laughs> Right before you go into yeah. session, you would be doing uh, great work. Kate was full of information, incredible information, and really helped me see, and I hope you see uh, how connected our discomfort with sex and money overlap. <laughs> I hope you got what you needed from the conversation. Really, thanks for sticking around to the end. If you want more stuff that I really couldn't share or Kate couldn't share, uh, we couldn't talk about on social media because algorithms and all of the things that they do to us. <laughs> uh, join me and the rest of the Board of Nerds on Patreon. The link is in the description. The first 500 folks get a sweet brain taco or eggplant squish fidget. The Board of Nerds is going to get to participate in content creation and asking lots of questions and potentially getting their questions answered on the show or maybe even be on the show. So join me over on Patreon. Thanks for joining me, folks. I will see you next Thursday.